and welcome to Inside the Cylinder. This is episode 101, talking about your 5 and 18, not 5 and 8, 5 and 18 Detroit Pistons. Uh, we're recording on February 8th, um, Monday night, and um, going to talk a little bit about the Derrick Rose trade. I'm Matt Way, uh, writer for Detroit Bad Boys, and as always, I'm Join my, my my co-host David Fernandez. David, what's going on? Not much, you know. I am uh, the Derrick Rose bomb was dropped yesterday, uh, right around or before the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, you know ready to get it going. Excited about the Dennis Smith Jr. experience, uh, and uh, you know it's just I don't know just. Tracking this Pistons team, man. You know, it's uh, it's tough. They give and they take it away. You know, it's like they, they'll give you a, a really good game. They'll give you a, a strong comeback. And then they'll have, which we'll talk about a little bit later, a game like they did against the Suns. So I was just like, okay, well, now I can really tell why this team is is 5-18. and 18. You know, sometimes you watch them and you get lost in the, the sort of, I don't know, like in the vacuum of a singular game. It's like, okay, yeah, this team uh, really, they should be better. And, you know, I would expect them to, to stack up a little bit more wins. And then every now and then they'll just lay an egg like that. It's like, okay, you know, I, I they're not winning the close ones and they're losing some of the other ones by, you know, in blowout fashion, or at least more recently than what we had seen in the beginning of the season. Yeah, um, I think the, the talent gap, you know, is starting to um, – catch up to them a little bit, which I think we'll talk about uh, when we talk about the games. But first, let's uh, let's get into the Derrick Rose trade. Um, the Pistons announced it today and made it official that Derrick Rose is being traded to the New York Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. And I believe draft considerations was how it was put. We believe the, the draft considerations to be based on reporting Charlotte's 2021 second round pick, uh, which lines up about now to be a top 40 pick right around 40. Although Charlotte's playing well um, right now, they're uh, looks like they're going to win another game tonight. Um, David, what are your thoughts on the return that the Pistons are getting for half a season of Derrick Rose? So my first thoughts were they were never going to get a first round pick. For D Rose, and I'm confused as to why it seems like a lot of Pistons fans seem to think that they were going to be able to. It was reported last year that the Pistons tried to secure a first for Derrick Rose. They weren't able to, and last year he was. However, you value Derrick Rose, there were still conversations that he was a borderline All Star. He was scoring like 18 points per game. He did it in a more efficient fashion. Uh, so. It, if he, they weren't able to secure one last season, there was certainly no way that they were going to be able to do that this year, especially because the production and the efficiency dipped. So all in all, it was the the trade that I was expecting and kind of a trade that you and I had sort of talked about, uh, I think last episode uh, or maybe two episodes. Yeah, it was last episode during the mailbag um, app. And uh, it's what we had talked about. It was a second round pick and a developmental player. I don't know. It, uh, people value Dennis Smith Jr. completely differently across the board, but uh, that it really did sort of fit the mold that you and I had discussed just last week. So all in all, I am not shocked at all. And I had expected this to come. I just didn't know when it was going to drop. 
Yeah. So I think it, you know, it reminds me of, and I mentioned this either last week or the week before. It reminds me of the fee, the, the trade that the Pistons got fee for from the Lakers when they traded out Reggie Bullock. Um, they got a second round pick and fee, you know, I think it was widely criticized at the time because Reggie Bullock had been so good. But again, he was, you know, a rental. Um, and they got a good, you know, pretty decent player in Sfee, um that, that helped them at times last year. I don't know that Dennis Smith Jr. is that same type of player. I'm a, I'm a quite a bit more pessimistic on him. Um, but I, I, I do think it's a, it, it's just what Derrick Rose is worth right now. I mean, he's not very good. He hasn't been good at all this year. Um, you know, hopefully that'll that'll change for Derrick. But um, I, I think given his contract, you know, that you're only getting him for a half year, um, it, it it's it's pretty much exactly the return I expected. Yeah, it would have been nice if Detroit was able to secure their own second round pick back from New York. Um, but they got something and, and I am happy that they were able to put D Rose in a good situation. I felt like Derek had a, it was a bad time in Pistons basketball, uh, when he was here, but all in all, I thought that he handled himself really well. He never seemed to be pouting on the bench. Uh, you know, even when the losses were piling up, he didn't, uh, he seemed to take his role model role seriously I, I think we've heard early in the season Killian Hayes talk about it you hear it just in general from the locker room from reports from the inside that a lot of the guys look up to Derek and that he took that sort of role seriously so I am happy from Derek Rose's perspective that he was able to go back to Tom Thibodeau to go to the New York Knicks who are fighting for the playoffs I think right now they're eighth or ninth in the east so yeah, I'm happy for him, and uh, it's exactly what I was expecting. So, uh, but I, I do wonder. So you mentioned it just now. You're pessimistic on Dennis Smith Jr. Do you think that this is actually like a like he'll actually have a, a opportunity to to play in Detroit, or do you think it's going to be something where he was just there to make the salaries match and to secure a second round pick, but the Pistons don't have any plans for him? I think it's, I think it serves a dual purpose. I think, you know, I, I know a lot of people have, were wanting to get Detroit's second round pick back. I thought that was maybe a little unrealistic. Um, I don't think Rose is really worth that much. Um, you know, I, I could have seen him and, and James Edwards for, um, on the Bun and Cardigan show today mentioned that, you know, the, the next closest um, offer was from the Clippers who really can't offer, you know, it, it's, if you're not offering a first round pick, you're talking about a late second round pick. And like, I, you know, I, I was almost thinking that, that Rose was going to garner maybe a, a late second round pick. And I think getting, getting a better one in Charlotte, part of it is just taking on Dennis Smith Jr. Um, because the Knicks just didn't have a, a, a use for him at this point. So um, I, I frankly would have, I was kind of like um, wishing, excuse me, to see Frank Nielakina rather than Dennis Smith Jr. Um, because a lot of my frustration with Derrick Rose has just been that he doesn't really run the offense in a way that's conducive to the rest of his t- 
teammates at times. He, he dribbles the air out of the ball. He just kind of ignores some of the action they set up. And I do highlight some of that in a, a piece that dropped today for D, on Detroit Bad Boys on Monday. So so be sure to check that out. Um, and and I, actually, when I when I initially wrote the the piece, I even had a um, it was before this this news dropped, and I had a a sentence or two in there about how I preferred Neil Aquina to Dennis Smith Jr. Because I really think that bench unit just needs more of a floor general. Um, you have shooters like Sadiq Bey and Sfi. You have cutters um, and, or guys who can drive the ball like Seku and Josh Jackson. And just getting someone to run good solid action and getting those guys in positions where they can succeed would have been nice to see. Um, and I, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. is that guy. I think Saban Lee is more of that type of guy. But, you know, the problem with Saban Lee is you you can't play him every night because he's on a two-way deal. So you are going to need Dennis Smith Jr. minutes. And if you get some something from those, you know, great. Maybe you re-sign him on the cheap um, for for a year this summer. Um, but if not, it's, it's easy to just – move on from him because he, he clearly clearly wasn't the most important part of this deal from, from the Pistons perspective that second round pick was, I think. Yeah. And Dennis Smith jr. Has only played three games so far this season. So he quickly fell out of favor there in New York. Uh, and, and one thing to know about Dennis Smith jr. Following this season, he has a qualifying offer that would be $7.7 $7 million. So there's no way that they're going to extend that offer following this year but maybe they can reject the, the qualifying offer and try to sign him on a bargain contract if he's able to show something. Uh, he's always been inefficient from two and from three throughout his career. Uh, and he seemed to have some personal issues or something in Dallas. And then he completely fell off a cliff in New York City. I think he only played a total of 38 games. Part of that was because the Knicks were, uh, you know, the season was cut short last year and the Knicks didn't make the bubble. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were, when it first hit, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Josh Jackson situation, not saying that Dennis Smith Jr. is as good or will ever be as good as Josh Jackson, especially what we've seen from him recently, but he's one of those, he fits that sort of mold of like a rec- reclamation project and a guy that had a lot of upside. He was the number one or number nine pick, excuse me, in a loaded draft from the 2017 draft. So, uh, yeah, there, there's elements there to where I am hopeful that he's able to show something, but at, at the same time, I am, uh, I'm not certain how much run, how, how long the leash is going to have in Detroit. Uh, but at, at the same time, this is a team that's, we already mentioned it. They're five and 18. They're going nowhere fast. So there may be some moments for him to, to show that he has some value, not maybe to Detroit or maybe to another team, but it'll be interesting to see how those sort of backup point guard minutes look like uh, as the season continues. You have a thought about what that might look like in good. Uh, that, that's a good point that you made too about Saban Lee. Cause I completely forgot about that. He does have a limited amount of games that he's able to play. Um, yeah. I would expect Saban Lee to get a lot of games in the near future in the next week or two. Um you know, you do have the ability to get Frank Jackson in some of those games because I, I'm sure that the coaches want to get Dennis Smith Jr. in practice and really 
emphasize what they're looking for from him, talking to him a lot about his role, watching film with him. I think you definitely want to do that before just throwing him into the fire. Um, Particularly, I think you always want to do that. But with a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., I I remember watching him in college. The the problem with him has always been his decision-making. Um, the athleticism is obvious. He's a little, little bit undersized. He just doesn't, hasn't shown the ability to play good defense, um, e- either in college or in the in the NBA. So you you definitely want to um, work through some of those things before you just throw him in the fire. And you know it, it's not like the Pistons are going to win games, but you also don't want to make the bench unit so bad that the, you know, Seku and Sfi and, and all these guys just have no chance because their point guard is, you know, it's just kind of hopeless. Um, I, I don't think that's a, a good situation for anyone, including Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. And for Dennis Smith Jr., he, the, the, when we've seen him have his most production, when it was just, Hey, you go out there. It was before the Mavericks had Christoph Porzingis. He was a part of that Christoph Porzingis trade. It was before they had, Luca, um, you know, that's when you saw him be his most productive, but he was still always extremely inefficient. I think the his career high is a 32% from three, 43% from the field. Um, so I, I don't, you're right in that point. You don't say, hey, Dennis, you got the second, you're the second unit guy now. So you just go run out there and do your thing because there are a lot of guys out there that we're looking to see from that they've already invested developmental time and within the organization. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think there are a lot of fans out there probably right now that are thinking that he's going to get uh, an extended look as the season continues. I'm not so sure about that, but it'll be something that we'll have to monitor and who knows, you know, there might be a a few games where he really stood out and you you might see something there that that we can be excited about. But uh, at least what we've seen over the last two seasons, that's, probably not going to be the case so uh but yeah i guess that's my final thoughts on the whole dennis Smith jr situation at least right now yeah i the one the one thing because i'm sure he's going to get minutes um they, they just need him with killian hayes out um the one thing i would really just like to see him do um for for his for his own sake really um is it's just really commit to playing defense um you know he he is so athletic and you know, he, he guys like that can play defense if they just learn it and they, they really commit to it. Um, I, I I've been thinking, you know, for a long time about a comparison for Dennis Smith jr. And the, the, the only one that he, he's kind of almost built a little like Eric Bud. So I think um, just with his height and build um, he's a little more athletic you know, Eric Bledsoe is obviously a terrific defender, but but it's because he works really hard at it. Um, in, in large and part. the wingspan too, as well. Yeah, there, yeah, so. and and Smith does have have some wingspan issues, um, but you know, <clears throat> playing in that type of role as a point guard would seem to me to be like his best future chance of just sticking in the league and sticking in a rotation, and just doing committing to defense would would go a really long way, I think, in that regard. It is concerning, though, that he was on a team that values defense, and Tibbs is known for 
that is his end of the floor. If you're not giving your effort on that end of the floor, you're not going to play. And as I said, he's played three games this season. So there, he's clearly not seeing something in the limited game time, preseason, practice to warrant him getting any more time on the floor. And even Frank Nalakina kind of fell out of favor there as well. So that's kind of interesting knowing that he's more known on the defensive side of the ball as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey's the same way. There's an accountability within this organization and within Dwayne Casey held teams uh, or ran teams that uh, if you're not playing on that end of the floor, then you're going to get yanked. So uh, if he's going to play at all, if he's going to have uh, at least a, a solid opportunity to, to prove his value in the league, he's going to have to really take that end of the floor seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And the well, the accountability is the same. You know, I don't, I don't think you could find two guys who are a whole lot different in just their general approach than than maybe Thibodeau, who's who's more of a a hard nosed type of type of guy, and and Dwayne Casey, who's who takes kind of more a gen, a gentle teaching approach to things. Um, and you know, some guys just don't respond well to the Thibodeau style of coaching. Um, you know, and Rick Carlisle's kind of, kind of in between them, but again, a guy who's super demanding who, who Smith jr. Started out with, um, you know, and I guess if, you know, if Dwayne Casey can somehow through his own style, get through to Dennis Smith jr. Um, you know, like he's kind of gotten through to Josh Jackson, it seems maybe, you know, maybe Dwayne Casey is going to be around for a longer, longer part of the rebuild than than we thought. Um, you know, this might be a good test case for that. Amin Al Hassan back in the day, and I'm not don't think that highly of Amin Al Hassan, but he did have a he he said something once that has stuck with me a little bit. That there's like a lightning bulb moment for some of these guys to where it's like you're in the you, you're a high draft pick, you're in the league. This seems like it's going to be going on forever. And then all of a sudden you're on your third or fourth team in four years. And if if that lightning ball moment isn't happening right now for Dennis Smith Jr., then it's probably never going to happen because uh, this is not looking great for him just for his long-term trajectory in the league. So, uh, yeah, you, you would hope that this would be that moment for him. To be like, okay, I really – whatever it was that I was – doing wrong or taking for granted, I'm going to have to change if I want to be able to play in the NBA for the next two, three, four years. Yeah. And we, you know, we've seen Troy Weaver go to that well a couple times already. I forget who it might've been Vincent Goodwell who, um, who tweeted it. It was a national guy who um, said, I don't, I don't recall the, the exact wording of the tweet. Um, but they, no, no, I just, I just completely lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. So should we want to move on to the West Coast road trip? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I can, uh, I can remember what I was going to say in the meantime. All right. Well, so they wrapped up the West Coast road trip against the Lakers on Saturday night. Uh, and they had, it wasn't a great West Coast road trip. They got whooped by the Golden State Warriors to start it off. Uh, they followed that up with a, you wrote decisive loss against the Jazz. I'm going to I'm gonna counter that a little bit. I thought that was a really good game towards the end. They were able to really close the door on that 27-point lead that the Jazz had in the third quarter and make it compelling in the last couple of minutes of the game. 
and then the double overtime loss to the Lakers, which was an awesome game uh, just in general from uh, singular performances, a team performance, that sort of grit that we've seen all year from Detroit. Uh, anything that stood out to you from any of these games or any players that you want to give props to from how they performed? Um, yeah, I, I did list the, the jazz loss as decisive just because, you know, the Pistons did, they, they just have this habit of um, making these comebacks and games that look like they're out. Uh, they're just completely out of it. But I, it it also just never felt like the Pistons were actually going to win the game, I guess. Um, you know, I, I thought Josh Jackson had a pretty good stretch the past week. He he capped it off with a really good game against the Lakers. Um, he, he finally looks like he's back to pre-ankle injury. Josh Jackson, um, you know, the shot is still struggling a bit. Um, although he did shoot a little better um, in a couple of the games, but He's, you know, he, he's in a lot of ways the same Josh Jackson. Like you, you, you see a, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, but I do think he's kind of embracing what his role is in Detroit better than he ever did in the past. Um, and I think that was on, on full display and he got rewarded for it and by, by playing some, some really big minutes in that Lakers game. Yeah, that was one of my takeaways. I thought Josh Jackson balled out over the West Coast road trip. In his last three games, he's averaged 20 points, 6.3 boards, 3.3 assists. He shot 46% from three, including just going off from three-point territory against the Lakers. Um, Definitely, that was probably his best game of the season in totality. Uh, I also thought he had some pretty good dishes to Isaiah Stewart in the Suns game. Uh, And I talked about this. Uh, on Twitter that he has a he's good when he is going downhill and looking to make a play like he he's not always just going to jack up a shot he's a willing passer and I saw there was I think three plays not necessarily three plays in a row but three plays in a quarter where he just found Isaiah Stewart for easy dunk so just seeing him being able to evolve his game a little bit more as a creator has been really exciting uh, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been really happy and, and you're right. He does look like the Josh Jackson that we had seen prior to the ankle injury. Um, I did have another takeaway that I just wanted to mention. Now this isn't Pistons necessarily related, but, uh, LeBron James, man, against the Pistons, 33, 11 and five. And then he had those two absolute dagger threes to end the game, uh, both on base and Plumlee. Um, so, and I try to watch LeBron James games as much as possible just knowing that this cannot last forever, but it hits different when he does it to your team. Like those felt like there's nothing to play for, for this season, but they felt like playoff daggers to me because that game was so entertaining and just seeing him, you could just see the wheels working with it. It's like, Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna take a step back or is this going to get by Plumlee? But in both situations, step back three bombs and just really just put the, the, stake in the heart and I don't know it's just I I wanted to definitely give props to LeBron James because he was awesome in that game and uh, wasn't going to allow the Lakers to lose yeah you know we've we've seen it um, from LeBron as Pistons fans um, many times over Um, and it was less consequential than it has been on, on a couple occasions but 
LeBron's just incredible. What he what he does at his age, um, you know, and he he's you know one of he he kind of ended the the um, the two thousand four two thousand six you know really near dynasty that that the Pistons had, um, and despite that, like I really just kind of fell in love with him as a player because you know he was so young and doing he did what he did against those just amazing defensive teams and the fact that he's still doing it you know 16 some years later is just absolutely incredible 100 percent. and uh yeah i mean looking forward a little bit i mean do you have any other thoughts from the west coast trip so you did mention um isaiah stewart in the context of josh jackson i thought isaiah stewart played great this um these last few games it looked to me like he was kind of pressing a a little bit more um at the start of the road trip but he especially defensively was just terrific i thought um he's continuing to show more and more uh on the defensive end of the floor it was the Suns game in particularly like he he shut down chris paul when he got matched up in isolation against him. And I think back-to-back situations, he did a good job against the Lakers um, in some, you know, really tough situations against LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis. He just, he just continues to impress um, and just kind of endear himself to the, to the Pistons fan base. Um, And it was nice to see him, recover because I do think he was he was struggling a bit um prior to these last few games yeah he's certainly making a name for himself across the league uh he was chirping a little bit with LeBron James or LeBron James was just chirping at him I couldn't tell if uh Isaiah Stewart was giving it back to him but he was frustrating those Lakers uh frustrating Anthony Davis he got at least one I think two offensive fouls drawn on Anthony Davis um one of them was a little questionable but uh all in all, he's been really impressive. One thing I've, I've also noted noticed about him from like the very beginning of the season to now, he doesn't he doesn't panic as much as as he used to when he was in the paint for scoring opportunities. He seems to be a lot more succinct and more decisive with his moves, and you've seen that bear out in him being more productive on the offensive side of the floor too. So that's something that's been uh, certainly. Good to see, just because I was a little concerned seeing that early in the season, just knowing that he is undersized, even though he does have a massive wingspan. Uh, sometimes you you see those undersized guys just continue to struggle when they're deep in the paint. But it seems like he's been able to sort of calm those nerves and just play his game and uh, put away all the easy looks that he's been getting so far. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, you know, the one thing he still struggles with, and and I think the coaches are kind of putting him in different positions. If you watch some of the pick and roll action, because he doesn't really have good instincts in terms of rolling to the rim right now. He often just kind of gets in the way. Um, And so they've been doing some different things with him, which I think has been good. But we've also seen him look a lot more comfortable, I think, when he gets the it's not really a pop, but he kind of cuts his, his um, roll short a little bit. And he sits there about eight, 10 feet from the, the, the hoop gets the ball. And he has this little like hook kind of push shot um, that he's been taking with a little more confidence. And it, it, it's been going down uh, in, in recently. 
Yeah, and they mentioned it on the broadcast uh, in the Lakers game that Blaha and, and Kelser were saying, I could seriously see this guy being a double-digit scorer one day. Uh, and, and I could too in, in the right situation and not necessarily looking to him to to lead the offense by any means, but just in the role that he's playing. Um, could certainly see that being a part of his future. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to note, so looking forward, the Pistons' schedule, I don't know, it doesn't seem like we they've played many layup games. Not that there's any game's a layup for them, noting their record. Uh, but coming up this week, it's just a murderer's row up until Sunday. They got the Nets, Pacers, Celtics, and then the Pelicans, which will be their most favorable game in a long time. So it's going to be continue. They're, they're going to have to sled uphill once again. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them drop, you know, three of their next four games or possibly all of their next four games. Although they do seem to every now and then stun one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, that's where their wins seem to come. Um, I'd like to see them play some more just average teams because we just haven't seen it a lot this year. Um, but I'm I'm still skeptical that they're going to win many of those games. Um, it'll be it'll be we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm curious to see what happens, but I, I, I'm skeptical that they can actually win those games. Um, despite you know they certainly have been better than the record because the schedule's been so hard. But um, I think the lack of talent and depth is maybe catching up to them a little more and. Um, a little more kind of as we go go along the season. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to our neck topic. So you mentioned it. The tank is going well. It is going really well. If you are on Kate Cunningham, on the Kate Cunningham train, I am on that train as well. Uh, but do you have any concerns that the young guys are losing too much right now? So I do not. Um, I... I, I would if they were losing in different ways or different things were happening on the floor. Um, you know, we joke about the term, the process, because of what happened in Philadelphia. But the process is far more important than the results. And, you know, this is where we get a little bit to the the Dwayne Casey stuff where, where people aren't, you know, happy that some people aren't happy that he's just not throwing these rookies into the fire. Um you know, to me, he's really he's really developing a pretty good feel for the roster, I think, and where to push their minutes, where not to push their minutes. Um, you know, you, you see Svi get he got over 30 minutes in that Lakers game and he was he was, you know, finishing out the game in overtime. Um, he's he's not just putting them in positions where they're going to be overwhelmed um, when they are overwhelmed, when they're struggling. You know, he gives them the breaks, um, like we've seen with with Sadiq Bay. You know, he's turned around and and played really well, um, or played played better at least in in the last couple of games. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't want to see them out there developing bad habits. Um, I don't think losing is a habit at this, especially at this point in their career. Um, if they're doing doing good things and um, you know they can continue to grow with those good habits. Then I think, you know, the Pistons that that that's the optimal way to tank. And having some of the veterans that the Pistons do, I think, um, helps in that regard. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. I don't think that they're losing too many games. 
I'm really hoping that they do finish with the bottom three record and get one of these difference makers in the draft. So all in all, I am, I'd be more concerned if they were winning too many games because I don't want to be in that territory. And I don't think they'll, they'll be in that territory where it makes sense to make a push for the playoffs this year. I do worry a little bit about their confidence, but I haven't really seen, for the most part, I haven't really seen individual players performances or, or what we expect from them fall off a cliff. Um, you know, Sadiq has played as I'd expect him to play as a rookie. Isaiah Stewart's played better than I've expected. Saban Lee's been playing better than I've expected. So, uh, it, you know, we talked about it a little bit with the Jazz and the Lakers game. They fight to the end. So I'm not worried about them developing bad habits um, because there does seem to be that sort of accountability that's just built into this organization led by Casey. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I would like them to win one in four games. I would like, you know, when you go on a long West coast road trip, then you got the Brooklyn Nets come to town for your next game. It'd be nice to get one of those in the bag, especially because you did have at least a good look at it against the Lakers. But all in all, I, I think that they're playing the game the right way. They're, they're not winning the games. They're not, maybe not winning the clutch minutes like they should because they do find themselves in these clutch games but at the same time, throughout the course of the 48 minutes, everybody seems to be on a similar page. And there is that sort of uh, just accountability, not only to the way that Casey wants them to play, but just kind of to each other and, and how they play throughout the game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it also speaks to a lot of what Troy Weaver talked about going into this offseason, um, where they are going to target good people like hard workers um the people that that we see succeed in detroit when when the basketball team and when all the teams um are good um and and they have those guys in isaiah stewart and sadiq bay um they obviously have a confidence there in killing hayes or they wouldn't have used that pick on him um you know, when you, I, I was thinking about this a little bit with Dennis Smith Jr. because, you know, he, his reputation is certainly not of that type of person. And so you wonder if they did their homework there um, and whether they, they think maybe there's something there. But, you know, I, I think everybody deserves some credit for that. And they, they can be so fun when they're, when the shots are falling on top of them just playing hard and working hard. And, you know, I would really like to see Cade Cunningham lead them with some more talent to see what exactly that energy, that positive positivity, um, how that would kind of mix with some some real creation talent. Um, you know, hopefully we get to see it in the near future. They do seem like a young core that would be able to once the talent is elevated to a more respectable. I guess NBA level, average level, um, that would be able to sort of capture lightning in a bottle and you know, win a streak of games that they're not supposed to win. They, they do seem to have that sort of camaraderie built into this team already, even though they've only won five games, lost 18 games. So I think that is definitely something that I uh, feel good about. You know, it's not, it doesn't just look like a – if you look, think back to the, the process Sixers 
where it was just a bunch of random guys just trying to make it in the NBA period, trying to do what they can to secure any type of contract or secure a contract overseas. This isn't the same type of situation here. This is really more so focused, at least what from what I've seen, on the character, the team building, and instilling the right type of practices uh, within these really young players and really prepping them for their career as it continues with this organization, just in the NBA in general. So, yeah, I, I think all in all, I've been really happy with um, how they've competed so far this year. And Duncan Smith had an article about this. I think he said it's something like the Pistons have perfected the tank. And it's a really good read and it kind of goes a little bit deeper into how Detroit has competed so far this year. And I suggest checking it out if you haven't read that already. Yeah. And I, you know, frankly, I think they're, their fit like on the floor has the potential to kind of seamlessly fit into a more talented team. Um, we, you have Jeremy Grant, who we know now can play multiple roles. He can be the number one guy. He can be the number two, number three role player, like whatever, you know, he can fit into any type of role. Sadiq Bay can shoot and play. He'll, you know, he'll play defense. Um, Killian Hayes, whether all the offense comes, were you know showed a lot on defense and and a lot just via his passing, which is something that is going to fit anywhere. We know Isaiah Stewart is going to fit on just about any team. Um, he's that guy that you love to have on your team, hate to play against. So I, they 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 have the type of guys who can fit well with any sort of situation. So I, I think when they you know when they do get this you know, hopefully a, a top three pick, um, whether they're getting Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or one of the wings, you know, they can fit them on this team because they're not taking guys who really need very specific type of, of systems built around them. Yeah, that's well put. This brings me to another point that uh, a friend of mine asked me over the weekend uh, he had said, and I think he said it to me on Twitter. So when are we going to have the combo about how much longer Casey will be the coach? And I'm looking at Casey's contract right now. He signed through the 2024 season, um, or in 2024, he's an unrestricted free agent. So t- through 2023, 24, uh, he was kind of sold a false bill of goods when he was brought to Detroit. It it was a situation where they were going to compete. He was the guy that was coming off coach of the year. Uh, He is, uh, he had uh, Blake Griffin playing well at that time. He had Andre Drummond, who was at that time a one-time all-star. So I do wonder if he's going to be the coach of the future. And I think we'll probably talk about this more in depthly. Um, but he's also seemed like a guy that was not not who you would target or not that he would want to target a rebuilding situation, but he found himself in that situation. He actually had a quote about it either today or yesterday saying something along the lines that this rebuild was long overdue in Detroit, which was interesting to hear because he signed up to, to join this team um, not that long ago. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about how this might end and and when it might end do you think that they're just going to ride it out with Dwayne Casey and and I'm not talking about Dwayne Casey X's and O's and minutes and all that type of stuff I'm talking about more so the 
do you want him to be the rebuilding coach for the future? Does he want to be the rebuilding coach for the future? Or is there going to be some sort of mutual parting of ways uh, down the road here? So, and I'm, I'm looking at um, the Dwayne Casey quote, and so I'll just read it verbatim for, for people who haven't seen it. I'm looking at Rod Beard's tweet. Um, he said, quote, it's a direction and long needed for this organization. It's not easy. I didn't envision this when I signed to come here. Um, I, you know, that's, that's quite the quote really. Um, just the, the self-awareness and the, the willingness to, to say that out loud, I think says a lot about Dwayne Casey. I think that Dwayne Casey is a great guy to have here as they are rebuilding. If he is comfortable with it. Um, like he said there, like you said, David, you know, Dwayne Casey did not sign up for this. They were going, they were trying to be a playoff team when, when Dwayne Casey came here, you know, they were hoping that the Blake Griffin thing would work out and it obviously has turned out much differently, but you know, when, when you're really developing a culture, when you are, trying to bring a bunch of young guys um, along. I am a big fan of the Dwayne Casey softer type approach. Um, he's he's really a, a teacher. I think a lot of the stuff that he brings is is more happens more off the court. Um, and that's the kind of guy that I want leading my rebuild um, and teaching my young guys good habits, teaching them, what they need to do when they're on the court, how to be a professional. Um, those things matter when you're developing young talent and Dwayne Casey's done it for a long time. You see, you know, the, the quality players and, and people that have come from his time in Toronto, you know, but like in Toronto, he's, he's not probably the guy that you want to take things to the next level. Um, so, you know, if he's comfortable with that and him and Troy Weaver are on the, the same page, I am all for it. Um, but a lot of it just comes down to how long he's willing to to sit through this because it's not going to be a, a short process, I don't think, even if they do get Cade Cunningham. Yeah, it, one, it, it's certainly not going to be a, a short process. Here's what I said when that was sent my way. To me, it seems inevitable that they'll mutually decide to part ways. But if Casey wants to stick around for the rebuild, it wouldn't shock me if Detroit kept him. Yeah, I think that it's going to be more up to Casey than it's going to be like that the Pistons management and leadership feels like their feet are to the fire and they have to make like a, not necessarily like a win now move, but they need to hire the guy that they see coming, um, uh, whoever just might be available. Um, it, it seems like they'll honor that and have him stick through if he wants to stay. But but if not, I could see there being a scenario where they just mutually decide to, to part ways and then he goes on to whatever next step it is that that's in his career. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and we will have, a I guess, a better, more not on the fly. I know I just kind of sprung this on you. So apologies, Matt. But uh, it, it got me thinking. And then I saw that quote uh, either today or yesterday. And uh yeah, and I just uh, it it just made me think about what the long term game plan might be, not only from Detroit's perspective but his own as well. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought. Um, you know, I don't think I don't see a need to replace him either. Do you, I mean? Do you? No, I, I, there was a couple or when the the Nets fired Kenny Atkinson. That was one of the guys. Just because we've seen him do very similar things with a young group of talent and be able to catch that lightning in the bottle, like I was mentioning, and bring that team to the uh, the postseason. I think they were forty two and forty. The D'Angelo Russell year. Um, that was a guy that was. Uh, I, he seemed to to be really sharp. He seemed to be well respected around the league. Um, but all in all, after watching this season and seeing how everything sort of played out and the competition level and the guys understanding their roles and what we've seen from Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, just there's been so many small little positives throughout this year that I've personally like sort of toned down that expectation that the Pistons will be looking for that next rebuilding coach. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I I agree. I guess the only reason I would move on is, you know, if it's a situation like, you know, in what was it in 03 when, um, you know, the Pistons dumped Rick Carlisle because they wanted to get Larry Brown to win a title. Um, like, I, I, you know, it's, it's an obviously a much different situation, but unless you have a guy targeted, like, Dwayne Casey seems to me to be a, a good guy for your youth. And the biggest thing I would be, um, I guess, emphasizing in the, the decision-making is you want a consistent voice for your, your young guys. You don't want Killian Hayes to learn three different offenses because you keep changing the coach you, you want somebody who's who you you really have have faith in and is committed to being there um and who's who's really going to give kind of a consistent message to your young guys if that's not doing casey if he doesn't want there want to be there for the long run and, and you see a guy that you like then you know then it's a good good time to do it but i, I do think that having um consistency when you're rebuilding is is definitely valuable yeah, and I think about that as lots of times you see that in football where a quarterback has to learn a new offense four years in a row or something like that. But we've also seen that in the not too distant past with the Detroit Pistons specifically, uh, following the going to work years when they had Michael Cook, Cook or sorry Michael Curry, John Kushner, uh, and not John Kushner, uh, what's his name? I don't know why I'm blanking on it. John Keister or Keister. Keister. Kuster, yeah, Kuster. John Kuster, Michael Curry. Um, they had uh, uh, Mo Cheeks. You just saw all this. Like, they, they didn't seem to be too dedicated to any single coach, and it did not turn out well, and it really sort of reset this or put this rebuild and put this organization off track for a lot of years to follow. So I, I, would, I, I also would echo that, that I would rather have there be some sort of consistency rather than looking for the next uh, new coach to to bring in some sort of system that you really think is going to just automatically flip the switch because that's not how it usually works. Yeah, don't forget about the Lawrence Frank years as well. That was, oh, true. Yeah, that was all was, thrown in the middle there. It, 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 yeah, no, it was, it was rough, and it, you're, I think you're absolutely right. Like, we do not want to repeat that because we're just going to find ourselves in the same situation 10 years from now. 
Yeah, but all in all, everything seems to be on track. I think this whole episode has kind of been in that vein. You know, when it comes to the Derrick Rose parting ways, opening up more minutes for the young guys, bringing in a developmental player. We've talked about Josh Jackson's success. We've talked about the fight. Uh, everything seems to be going in the right direction. And well, like a lot of people are, they're on Team Tank. This team is the worst team in the league. So all in all, if that's what you're looking for, then the Pistons, as I mentioned earlier with Duncan Smith's article, are tanking in the perfect way. So yeah, it's still tough because it, it's it sucks to, to just watch so many losses in a row just because it's not something that I'm used to. I'm not necessarily rooting for, but uh, just used to watching even when the Pistons were floating around the 500 mark for the last couple of years. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's just it's just been a, a rough ride, even though things seem to be going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's you know you you think back to. 2010, 2011, and, you know, from then on, really. And, I mean, it just – they never had this – they never had this clear of a direction, I don't think, Um, which is definitely refreshing if you you followed closely during those times Um, and and you really were old enough to really appreciate the the, uh, going-to-work teams. Um, You know, it, it, it definitely feels different this time around. Perfectly put. Anything else, Matt? No, I I think that's it. All right. Well, as you all know, hopefully you do by now. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you do. All of our new episodes are on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast stream. All new episodes up on DetroitBadBoys.com. Keep an eye out for more of Matt's work, more of my work. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace.